Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I want to acknowledge those last two lines and what happens musically for just a moment. Um, those last two lines in the song, we are the ancient bells of peace. We've come to waken the love that's sleeping. And then what happens musically, it drives musicians crazy, I will tell you, is that the song ends on an unresolved chord. Drives us crazy, doesn't it? Because we just want everything to end on that tonic. We just want to end the song. Um, but what's really beautiful about that, what Bar Beryl uh, shared with us this morning, and I agree that this is the interpretation, is that it is that bell that continues to ring and it is unceasing. When, it, when the song resol doesn't resolve, it feels like it should continue. And that's what it's an invitation for each and every one of us to continue to be those ancient bells of peace, each and every one of us, ringing ourselves to waken the love that's sleeping throughout this entire planet, throughout this entire universe. So each year on the final Sunday in July, it has been tradition, and I have carried on this tradition from my predecessors to celebrate Christmas in July, partly because we have a service thing that we do for, the, for, for this community where it's called Bears in the Chairs. It starts on Mother's Day, and we collect stuffed animals, and we invite people to make these tote bags from the season starting on Mother's Day, going all the way through till Christmas in July, as a way for us to give to the world, as a service project to give to the world. And so we celebrate that project, we celebrate the spirit of givingness on the final Sunday in July. And I wanted to talk a little bit about today about Christmas, because I'm not really going to talk about the project, I just wanted to acknowledge that that's part of what happens, is that it is a celebration of this project, the culmination of this project, as now these uh, magnificent tote bags and stuffed animals will be taken and given to Aviva Children's Services and those who are uh, those children who are being moved into foster care as a gift from us. I wonder if you know your history. I think some people will know their history. So, when is Christmas every year? December 25th. Yes. What happens after Christmas? The 12 days of Christmas. Yes, New Year's does happen after Christmas, at least on our calendar. But, <laughs> but actually, Christmas starts the 12 days of Christmas. The 12 days of Christmas does not precede Christmas, and, find, and it doesn't come to its culmination on Christmas. Christmas Day actually starts the 12 days of Christmas. And on the 12th day of Christmas is a day that is celebrated in the traditional Christian calendar called Epiphany, the 12th day of Christmas. I don't know, is that the drummer's drumming or the Lord's leaping? I can't remember. <laughs> the drummer's drumming. <laughs> the Lord's leaping. Or the ladies dancing. 
Now, do you know what, ha- what, what traditionally epiphany is actually, uh, is actually significant of? Does anyone know? I mean, obviously the ministers in the room know. <laughs> it is the day that the Magi arrive to behold the child, the holy child. When those wise men, the kings of the East, they're called by many different things. Um, it's the day that they arrive, and so it's the day is called Epiphany or Little Christmas, and has great significance in the traditional Christian calendar. Now, how many Magi were there? We don't know. <laughs> there were three gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but there's actually no indication of how many magi there were. There could have been a hundred. I don't know. In Western Christianity, and, and there, there, there are some differences between Western Christianity and Eastern Orthodox Christianity. In Western Christianity, as the magi come and they behold the Christ child, um, it is a commemoration epiphany, is celebrating the commemoration of the manifestation of Jesus Christ to the world as the Son of God. As the Son of God. Jesus Christ. And we talk about Jesus Christ in the unity movement. And the funny thing is, I almost never talk about Jesus. So if you're here for the first time, just know, this is a, kind of a one-off for me, because I almost never talk about Jesus. And I'll tell you why I don't talk about Jesus all that much. Because um, I don't want to get caught up in the trappings of misunderstandings of Scripture and then having to explain misunderstandings of Scripture. Because for me, I don't... This is going to come as a shock to some people in this room. I don't consider myself Christian. I consider myself a seeker of truth, truth that is looking to live like the Christ. Jesus Christ, the man about whom we know actually very little, was an individual who who perfectly understood and demonstrated his divine nature. Jesus was not a Christian. Jesus Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was a teacher. And we all know, I mean, obviously he was Jewish. That was his tradition. Jesus was not a Christian. He was a teacher who understood his divine nature so profoundly that he was able to engage in healing. Christ, the word Christ, is a title. It's a title of anointment that I think we should all share to be the Christ. What is anointing? Anointing and some of you will have heard me talk about this before, the concept of anointing actually comes from the tradition of shepherds. Did you know that? That shepherds would pour oil, that's anointing, right? You know, we've had oil poured on and anointed. They would pour oil on the heads of their sheep, which would make it impossible for insects to burrow. That's where we get anointing from. Because if insects were burrowing it would kill the sheep. So anointing, to be anointed, means to be protected. That's what anointing is all about, to be protected, to understand your own nature, to anoint yourself to such a degree that you are protected from 
the constructs of the world which may be there feeling like they're going to beat down upon you. Anyone ever feel like the world is beaten down upon you? I talked all about that last week. I'm not going to depress you all now. But that idea that to be anointed is to be protected, I really carry that in my own heart. I really carry that in my own heart. So we use the word Christ as a title. As a title. Ernest Holmes, the founder of Religious Science, the Centers for Spiritual Living Philosophy, had this to offer. The, meta, the, no, the mystical conception of Christ means the universality of sonship embodied in any individual who recognizes this sonship. Now, there's a lot of gendered language in there, so I invite you to de-gender the language in a way that suits you best. But to understand the mystical conception of the Christ is to understand the truth of our being. That there is a universal nature that is who and what we are. And there is absolutely no separation from the infinite universal and us except in perception. We perceive ourselves as something other than. We perceive ourselves as less than. We perceive ourselves in ways that contradict the construct of our Christ nature. Charles Fillmore defines the Christ in this way. Christ is the divine energy in human beings. Christ is the divine energy in human beings. That divine energy is the creative source of all that is. And that is who and what we are. If you were to break down, and I'm not inviting you to really do this, but if you were to break your physical matter down to its smallest particle, what you would find is that the particle can be broken down even further into energy. The energy is the Christ. The energy is the Christ. And so 100% of our beingness is that energy. There is no aspect of us that is not holy energy. Dr. Michael Beckwith invited us into this understanding when I heard him speak in about, well, 13 years ago, when I heard him speak at a conference in Chicago. He said this, and I wrote it down because I just loved the way, he, the way he phrased this, because this for me is the deepest understanding of the Christ. He said, you... Yes, you. You are a way infinity gets to happen. <laughs> you are a way infinity gets to happen. I love that. I love that idea that I am a way that infinity gets to happen. And as I look about and I see the faces of all the infinite beings that I encounter every single day, you are a way that infinity gets to happen. How glorious is that? So then I have to ask myself, in what ways might I be contradicting my own expression of being the infinity? That's a weird way of phrasing it, but it's the way I'm going to hold to. What are the ways that I might be contradicting being a way infinity gets to happen in my own life? Any way that I consider myself less than. That's the way that I contradict that very notion, that I am a way that infinity gets to happen. So what is... Christ consciousness. We hear that term sometimes here in these new thought circles. Christ consciousness. Christ consciousness is the use we make of the universal. And in, the, in this teaching, we are inviting people to make use of Christ consciousness, the use of the universal, to 
guide us away from making mistakes in our lives. To know that we are always in that path of goodness. That we are each and every one of us holy. The Christ consciousness is powerful. It is very, very powerful. And you might be surprised to hear me say this. You can make it more powerful. Because most people say, well, the Christ consciousness is infinite power. How can you make something more powerful than the infinite? You, in your own individualized life, can make Christ consciousness more powerful by training your mind. By training your mind. Ernest Holmes also said this, trained thought is far more powerful than untrained thought. All thought creates, all belief creates, all of it creates, right? Our purpose here in these spiritual centers is to train ourselves into constructive modes of thinking and believing so that our lives get better. So trained thought is more powerful in the construct of purposeful living than untrained thought. Because if you are living your life in untrained thought, then you are not living in purposeful living necessarily. So I choose every day to work at it. Oh my gosh, and it's work. It is work. So, yeah, exactly. I I wasn't going to go there today, but this philosophy is work, right? Yes, it continues to be work until when, William? Until it's not. (laughs) I will continue to use that as long as it's uh, constructive and useful in in this spiritual center. So what is our purpose here in these centers, in these communities? I think that our purpose is to train our minds to train our minds so that we can create the most magnificent experience of life that we could possibly imagine, and maybe something even greater. But it takes work. That's the thing nobody ever wants to hear, that it takes work. There was a um, video. Uh, do you, some of you may remember, we had a guest speaker here last October, Uh, Eric Feltis spoke here last October. And um, he and I have become friends throughout the course of like our association. He lives in in Los Angeles. Uh, He posted a video on social media yesterday that um, I stopped, I watched, I loved. And in the video, he mentions that he's hiking in Runyon Canyon. Um, If you know Los Angeles at all, Runyon, everybody knows Runyon Canyon in Los Angeles. Um, It's right in the Santa Monica Mountains. It's literally in the middle of town. Like, you go to one point, you can see the Hollywood sign over there and, like, the breadth of the whole Los Angeles basin. And there's this, there's a spot, um, there's a significant place in Runyon Canyon where it's quite steep. And so, you you know, you have to really work yourself to get down this, this steep section of the canyon if you're hiking there. And he pointed out that there was this tree in this steep section of the canyon, and there was a branch on the tree that was completely smooth. And he said, I love this idea that this branch is completely smooth because it shows you the number of people that have utilized this branch. If you look at the rest of the tree, it's all rough bark, but there's this beautiful, just smooth, smooth, smooth branch where people have worn it down from use. 
And then he continues on to remind us all that the work that we do requires continuous repetition in the practice. I have te- I've, I've been in spiritual circles for a while now, and one thing that I sometimes hear are things like this, oh, I'm not good at meditation. I'm not good at prayer. I'm not good at the spiritual practice things. And then I ask, well, how long have you been practicing? Well, I tried meditation once. <laughs> okay. I tried prayer once. Didn't work for me. Okay, but did you master it? Did you master it? It takes continuous, repetitive practice to become a spiritual master. Consistency makes the master. And so, if you've ever heard yourself say, well, I tried meditation once, try it again. (laughs) And again, and again, and again. And I guarantee you, you will master, you'll become a spiritual master. There are five stages of spiritual evolution that were once uh, offered to me in a ministerial construct. Um, Dr. Jane Ryder, do you remember Jane Ryder? Marvis, you don't, do you remember Jane Ryder? Okay. I just thought, you know, we come from similar backgrounds. I thought you might know. Do you know Jane Ryder, Sue? Yes. So Jane Ryder offered this um, when I was studying in ministry. She said, there are five stages of spiritual evolution, and they are these. In me, see me, by me, with me, use me. Have you heard those? Yeah that our expression of spirit goes through these stages of spiritual evolution. In me, God in me. God is in me, right? God, here it is, yes. I'm starting to understand that God is in me. That's what we teach here, God in me, as me. God in me. And then we move into see me, where we want to be understood as the power and the presence. And then God is operating by me. By me. I think that's where a lot of us are. God is operating by me, by means of me. But there are still steps to be mastered with me. God with me, is me, as me, living life. And then my favorite, use me. Give over, let it go, and trust and know that remembering who you are, one of those fundamental tenets of our mission, remembering who you are, that we are the use of a divine creative energy. To find our way to this use me stage, we must be willing to release our small self-ego. You've often probably heard and classes and things. Ego means edging God out, right? We have to be willing to release that small sense of ego and begin to recognize the divine sense of ego. Because you know how I like to understand ego? Entertaining God only. (laughs) Because that's what the ego is if you truly 
settle into your understanding of who you are, entertaining God only. There is no separation. Ego simply means I am. That's all ego means. So epiphany, which is the culmination of Christmas tide, the 12 days of Christmas, is an announcement to the world that the divine is realized in, as, by, and being utilized as humanity. That there is absolutely no separation. That's how I choose to understand Christmas. We are a nation. We are a nation of magi. Each and every one of us is a magi. We are the wise ones. We are the wise ones. And I think we can reconsider ourselves. I, magi, nation. I, magi, nation. Not in any sense to set ourselves apart, but rather to truly take a deep dive and see the divinity in all. To be on the exploration of the unknown, to accept that we don't know what we don't know and we are willing to be open. That is part of being the I, magi, nation, which just happens to spell out imagination. The journey begins with imagination. We are the aspects of the Christ consciousness that are born, which nation, the root of the word nation, comes from the Latin meaning to be born. Like natal, nation, comes from the same root. We are the born individualizations of infinite wisdom. That's what it means to me to be an I, Magi nation. I am born as an individualization of infinite wisdom, and so are each and every one of us. We are the imagination of the divine, letting itself be known in expression. When we use that imagination, we are tapping into our inherent infinite wisdom. And what flows forth, well, we don't know what we don't know, but we can absolutely engage it. Einstein had this to offer. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the world. Now, he was not saying that knowledge is not important. He was saying knowledge is limited, and imagination is more important than knowledge. Because when we are engaged in the imagination, when we are engaged in our infinite nature, when we are engaged in knowing the truth of who we are, we are magnificent, infinite creators. So how will you choose to move forward with that today? Move beyond the sense of what we think we know and let us evolve the infinite and let us involve the infinite and evolve our self-expression. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> let us involve the infinite and evolve our self-expression. It's the only way that we will truly evolve is by involving the infinite sense of our nature and being. Let the branches of our mind be worn smooth from use. Demonstrate our divinity and our divine nature in action every single day. Practice, practice, practice. Embrace 
that divine ego by entertaining God only. Release limitation and welcome I, Magi Nation, the imagination. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. The homework today, I thought about because it's a holiday, giving you a break from homework this week, and then I thought, no, <laughs> no, you don't, you don't get a break. <laughs> um, if you're new to our community, I give homework every week as a way of putting into practice what we are teaching here. And so this is the homework that I'm going to encourage you all in this week. Commit to a regular and consistent application of spiritual practice this week that you think will benefit you, but perhaps have thought in the past that you are not good at. Actively work toward moving past the thought of not being good at to the mastery of the practice. That's the homework this week, and I will just remind you and just let you know, it might take more than a week to reach mastery. <laughs> It might, but if you start now, then you're on the path. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.